0: Welcome to the Great Big Yes podcast. My name is Sue Bidstrup, and on this podcast, I have conversations with people who are living out a greater calling on their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in this world. Today, I'm super excited to bring to you my friend, Tina Harris. She is my friend through Holy Yoga. That's how we met, Um, but she is just amazing, and her husband struggled with um, addiction to porn. And so she has written a book, and she's going to talk all about her book. And she speaks at conferences. Her book is called "Peace Beyond the Tears," and I'm going to give all the details on how to order that, and link up with her website on GreatBigYes.com in the show notes. But I just wanted to have her talk here, tell her story, offer hope and healing for people. And um, she's just really a beautiful person. She's my fav- favorite prayer warrior. She's really, really good at prayer. And so I'm happy to say she prays here at the end, and it's just a, a blessing. It's a hard topic, um, so I want to warn you going in, it is about sexual addiction, it's about pornography, and it's about how God can heal us through all of that. Um, so here is Tina Harris. Hi, Tina. How are you? Hi, Sue. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so grateful that you're here. And um, Tina and I know each other through Holy Yoga, and I am so excited, Tina, for you to tell your story. So I'm going to let you just kind of jump in and um, let the listeners know kind of what we're going to talk about your book today and your ministry, and I just, if you could just kind of start with your story. Wow, yes, yes. This part of your story. um,
1: We have to pinpoint. This part of my story. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's start here. So, I was married to, am married to a wonderful, wonderful man. And before I tell this story, let me just say he has given me full permission to speak out, full permission to write our story. So, he's just, um, he's an incredible man. That said, for the first 18 years of our marriage, um, my husband kind of kept me at a distance, you know, um, physically and emotionally. And I always thought that there was something wrong with me um, to the point of, I mean, I would do everything to get his attention. And then um, we started going to a marriage counselor. And and our issue was that um, my husband didn't want to be intimate. And so we would have counselors say things like, I mean, they would say things like, well, if you just dressed more um, immodestly, or if you would wear lingerie, or if you would do this or that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it was always about me. And, and others would say you're too controlling who would want to sleep with their mother. I mean, these conversations. Oh no.
2: Oh no. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: Oh yes. So, so these conversations with counselors, a couple of them left me so depressed, almost suicidal. And I have six kids. So I worked really hard to stay in shape and just, so, um, after 18 years, Of journaling and just pouring my heart out and praying I found out my husband confessed that he was addicted to pornography and um, so we went to a counselor after that and this counselor recommended this book and um, after that Tim went through some counseling sessions he went to something called every man's battle which is a, a weekend intensive and then started speaking to counselors and whatever but so he got help well, in the meantime, as he's getting help, he goes to every man's battle. He comes home, and he drops this box of, yes, I'm addicted to pornography, and here's all my junk. So I'm left holding his junk, his story, his why. And then he goes off, and he's meeting with men's group, and he's getting hearing. Meantime, I'm getting far and farther away from God. How could he let me walk through this how could he how do I breathe how do I find hope what is reality I've been married to this man for 18 years and I didn't know what was so wrong with me that I didn't know he had this issue okay so wait, again it can all I,
2: became
0: yeah yes. can I stop you there because I think what you just said Please. is what is so wrong with me that he had this issue yes oh, yes lord Right, not like did have this, we oh, do yeah. that to ourselves, but, though. Like we say, "What's wrong with me? What did I do that caused him?" Right versus it being it's just his issue. I don't know. I just find that so fascinating the wording there of how you just said that. But you had said you had gone to counseling, and they were kind of making you take some blame in this or take the blame. Yes, we
2: were,
1: but not only that, Sue. So. It becomes about what could I do differently? Yeah. What you know, if if I was more in shape, if I didn't have so many kids, if I didn't play with my kids, if I if I had a job, if I wasn't a home mom, it all it all goes back to all goes back to I'm not enough, I'm too much. Yeah, it's always about what we're lacking, right? Or what we have too much of. Yeah. So, and, and not only that, but how did I not know? How blind was I that my husband's off addicted to pornography? And I had no idea. 18 years is a long time. Right.
0: Well, on that note, so, can I ask like the details just for people who are listening who might not understand yeah. what that means? So when someone says they're addicted to pornography, I'm sure that can show up in a lot of different ways, right? Does that mean they're on the internet looking at porn or what? watching movies or what does it mean exactly?
1: So an addiction, Sue, is anything that you try not to do but are compelled to do. So a godly man, a Christian man, and that was that was another thing. How can he love the Lord? How can he sit beside me in church every Sunday and then go home and look at pornography? So it's... It, it could be looking at magazines, it could be the computer, it could be movies, it could anything. Okay. There's such a wide gamut. Yeah. But a godly man, a man who loves the Lord, will say, it's so filled with shame, he'll say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he'll try, and he'll try, and he'll try. But something will happen. He will get triggered, and he'll he'll still be, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But then when he finds himself acting out, looking at pornography, and, and um, doing what comes With that, at that point, he's so full of shame. But, Lord, I must be so bad. I said I wasn't going to do it again anymore. Why am I back here? Right. So then they put their hand over their heart, not in reality, but their hand over their heart, and they have their hand out, keeping every woman in their life at a distance. Because if she only knew, if she knew how bad I was, if she knew what I was doing, she would leave. She right. wouldn't love me anymore. And, and that, that fear of abandonment is what drives them to continue the addiction. So an addiction is something that I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm right. not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. And then they end up back there again.
0: Oh, my gosh. So we've got the addiction and then the shame that comes from the addiction. And then the behavior that comes from that, like you said, is keeping all the women in their lives at a distance, which includes their wife yeah. and their daughters and everyone that needs true healthy love from them is getting just withdrawal
1: yes and not just the women men too I mean a typical um well I don't want to say typical um more often than not they don't have very many um close guy friends either because again if somebody knew my secret it's just my secret but oh my goodness One in four men, one in four men profess to be addicted to pornography. One in four, Sue. That's the ones who admit it. What about the ones who don't? Right. So it's not, it's such an isolating addiction, and a man feels like he is the only one. But if he only knew, if he only knew that he wasn't the only one, that there is hope, there is healing, there's so much. Much relationship, rich relationships on the other side of the addiction. Right. I mean, can you imagine that kind of hope for a man? How much that would take away the shame of it? Well, they've been talking about it a lot at our church.
0: I know this is something that just keeps coming up because it's so prevalent. I mean, this is a place yeah. where the Lord really needs to get into these hearts and these relationships, and there is hope. And so I love that about your story. Um, tell me about your book or how that came about, because you wrote your book, Peace Beyond the Tears. Can
1: you talk about that a little bit? Yes. So um, after the counseling, I just started complaining to whoever would listen. There's nothing for women. There's nothing for women. And you have all this stuff for men. So finally, a dear man, um, the president of New Life, said, Tina, do you write? And I said, no, I homeschool six kids. He said, those God calls, he quit. Yeah. So I went in our playroom. I took out all my old journals that I kept, and I just read through them, and I sobbed for days. For days, I sat on that floor. And just anytime the kids were napping or anything they were doing, I would just go and cry in there and read through the journals. And so I called Larry back, and I said, okay, I'll do it. So the idea behind the book was because I had been to some pretty poor counselors that put the blame on me, looking back at those journal entries from 18 years ago when I was 22 years old and married with two kids – Looking back on those, I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known that he wasn't rejecting me because I just had a baby. I wish I would have known that it wasn't about me. So I took the journal entries and I would put an excerpt of the journal entry. And then I would do a, I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known. And yeah. um, then from there, we I took the entire thing. So there's uh, several chapters of, I wish I, not not so much, I wish I would have known, but here's the guy here. If I were your friend and you were walking through this now, now, mind you, this, we had already gone through um, some healing. I'd already gotten counselors at this point when I started writing. So it was, so at that point, we'd been married for 20 to 23 years. So mm-hmm. we'd had a few years under our about. And um, So then I took the entire book and took it to a therapist at Pure Desire Ministries named Diane Roberts, and Diane counseled the old me, and she counseled the new me. Here's what Tina did right. Here's what Tina could have probably would have helped her a lot. Oh, so that's amazing. I take the old me with the with the, heal, the healing in the process of healing me, and we walk hand in hand to the therapist's office, and I protect that old me that was so wounded, and I keep her safe in that. And it's, um, I wow. read it now, and I cry just because of the me I was, and even the me I was seven years ago. We've been married. Our anniversary is actually next week. And we will have been married for 27 years. Praise God. It's wonderful daughters. Yes, yes. And um, we're working on becoming friends. That's that's our next step. We have healed tremendously. I trust him 100%. The friendship thing is taking a little bit longer, but we're finding things we have in common. Or um, I adore him. I adore him. And he now leads groups for men. He speaks to men in our church. We speak publicly. It's, um, God has so redeemed this.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I, you have, when you talk about speaking publicly, I think you've done like different conferences and things, right? Like, are they specifically for this or is it like a part of. Um you know what I mean? like, do they have conferences for this? I'm trying to get at like if people are suffering in this um and they don't know where to begin like is are there places to go that you would
1: recommend for them? There really are well, for men, for men, there is a workshop. If they go to new life live or NewLife.com, dot com it's called every man's Battle, and that's where Tim started, and that's almost like digging out the cancer. But you still need the chemotherapy, right? So yeah. then there's something called Pure Desire Ministries. And Pure Desire Ministries, they are worldwide. And they're support groups for men, and they, they work through the why. Why did you go here? When did it start? And inevitably, with most men, it started maybe 10, 12 years old. It's not something they picked up after they got married. It's not something for those women of you who are listening. It's not something they picked up because you weren't enough. Yeah. They've had this for a very long time. Yeah. And for men, so there's Every Man's Battle. There's um, there's Pure Desire. Um, pure Desire. Thank you, Sue. Yeah. There's pure, pure Desire Ministries. And then for women, there's Women in the Battle. New Life has a weekend workshop for women called Women in the Battle. But there's also Pure Desire Ministries has an entire curriculum for women as well. Okay. In... In April, I'm speaking and leading um, Holy Yoga, which I'm so excited, at a workshop in Oregon that Pure Desire puts on. And if you go on their website, puredesireministries.org, it'll tell you about the wonderful workshop that they'll be putting on for women. And it's a weekend workshop, and I believe it's the 28th of April. And I will be there, so I'd love to meet them. I
0: love that. That is so exciting
1: that you're doing that. I'm very excited. We did it last year as well, and it was... The yoga was just I yoga was a breakout session and I didn't I really didn't think very many women would come. It was so full, Sue. So yeah. There was no room to move. It was just oh God is so good. He's so redemptive. Well,
0: I love that. And you and I were talking before we started recording and I, I wanted to touch on this because now that you mentioned the holy yoga, um you went through holy yoga when you were how old? The training. Oh my goodness. I went to
1: Holy Yoga, so 2013, I am 49 years old now. I can't yeah. believe I just said that out loud. Yeah. But so, so in 2013, so I was about, if I'm doing my math correctly, I was about 45.
0: Yeah, and what we were talking about, just for the listeners, what we were talking about beforehand, which I think is just such an interesting and awesome conversation, because I get to talk to so many people that are entering into Holy Yoga at all different ages and stages, but you had said, what would make me think I could do holy yoga training at that age, or what would make me do that? And what I love is that God was calling you into this deeper intimacy with him, this deeper relationship. Like even when we know the Lord, like it can go deeper. We can never get to the bottom of it. It's so beautiful and so powerful. So I love that because I think that gives hope to people because I'm this around the same age as you. I'm 47 and I know that he's still doing a new thing. And that brings me so much mm. hope for the future, yeah. for myself, you know, that he's not done right. with me yet. <laughs> Amen? No.
1: And so the thing is, it, we're like onions, right? There's so many layers. Yes. And as soon as he peels away one layer, okay, I'm healed there, then another layers are built, and another, and another. Yes. But the great thing about that, he doesn't just cut the onion in half. He doesn't say, oh, my goodness, you know, look at all this junk. He says, let's take it layer by layer. By layer, and when you want to sit in the layer for a little bit, that's okay. We'll we'll sit here and we'll work this one out together. Yes. And he never leaves us in that, and I love that. Yes, and and that comes with our healing as well. So even though my husband, um, with his addiction, has just he has worked hard. I want to tell you a couple things that Tim would do, and yeah. this is in my book. So the signs. So one of the questions that women ask me a lot is, how did you know? How can you trust him? How do you know he's healing? So Tim traveled a lot with work, and um, so he stayed in a lot of hotels, which was where a lot of his addiction came from. You know, those videos in hotels just weren't the best. And um, when he started the chilling journey, he would have them remove the television set from the room, literally. He would have them go in the room, take the TV out, bring it to the front desk. With TV in hand, the front desk clerk would call me and say, Mrs. Harris, Um, your husband asked us to remove this TV from, we don't know why, but he asked us to remove the TV from his room and he wanted us to call you to tell you it was out. Those are the things my husband did. He was willing, and I think that's what God calls us to do, willing to put our embarrassment aside and speak out and say, this is not right. Because even though it was embarrassing to him, think about that desk clerk. Think about that desk clerk when he would ask my husband, so why are you doing this? For my husband to be able to sit, for him to be able to say, I did it because I love my wife. Yeah. And I don't want her to doubt. I mean, think what that to that man that heard that. Yeah. And the fact is he may have thought Tim was crazy, but it doesn't matter. He went home that night, and I guarantee you that chewed on his mind a little bit. Yes. So when God called us to step boldly, and like this conversation, I mean, this isn't a conversation most people would have. Yes. And it's honestly not a conversation most men would allow their wife to have. That's right. But... Every couple of, every, a couple times a year, Tim and I speak at Every Man's Battle and they ask us to come in so I can share my testimony. And Every Man's Battle is there's 50 to 70 men sitting in this room and I walk up front and they're not, they are not expecting a woman. So Tim and I walk up front and he introduces me and this is what he says: He says, this is the woman I love the most. And she's also the woman I hurt the most.
2: Mm.
1: I want you to hear our story. He presents me to these men as his, his price yeah. and he allows me to share my story, our story. So that these men can know that their wife is not alone, that she's not crazy, that yes, it really is an issue and it does affect her as much as she says it does. Yeah. So, Oh, I love that. I think-
0: oh my gosh. I love that. And just the fact that you're going in together, that this is a story of redemption and hope and, um, just healing and transformation. And, um, it just gives God the glory. And I love that. Um, can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Like how God has been a part of this? Like when he started going to, cause I'm assuming is every man's battle Christian. Yes,
1: absolutely. So absolutely. all
0: of these are ministries. So they're all Christian ministries. What I think is, well, let's get to that first. How has God, um, transformed you not as a couple, but I mean you personally, um, through this, like what, and I know it's so big and long and we could talk about that for hours, but, um, how has he healed you through this? What does, what does God whisper in your ear now? You know, because it's like you entered in with this, I'm not worthy. And you had the worldly people telling you maybe it's your fault.
1: So yes, um, God has so healed this. Um, at first, I was I hated him, and I was so mad at God, because a little bit of backstory, I have been, my story is, I've been violated, molested by probably almost every man I came in contact with, from my biological father to stepfather, I mean, to stepbrother, to sister's oh. boyfriend, I mean, just, it is, so... When I found out about my husband, it was like, Oh my goodness, God, this was the man I waited for. This is this is the man that um was supposed to save me from all of that. So I felt duped. I felt like God had just I I felt like I had uh, the words on my forehead that just said victim and said violate me, take advantage of me and oh. no, this one too. And so I was mad and so as we started walking through this, I figuratively put him on the shoulders of every man that ever abused me. Yeah. So um when it was like he couldn't win no matter how hard he tried because he was just another man. And what God has shown me through all this, he has walked me through All of them. Well, and I'm sure there's more, right? Layers and onion. But he's walked me through the past abuse while walking me through this one. And he's let me see that I never had the word victim on my forehead. What happened is somebody took my voice. Somebody, when I was young, said, you are not worthy. You are just to be used. And I didn't have words. I just didn't have guards up. I didn't know what was safe and what wasn't. So I would walk into unsafe situations. I would trust people that weren't trustworthy. Yeah. But as God started healing in me that you are my daughter, you are a daughter of the Most High God. Amen. When He started showing me, Tina, I didn't come to die for the whole world. And you were hiding behind everybody when he let me see that he came to die for me. And when he died on that cross, he saw me just as much as he saw everybody else because I was worthy, because I was his. I was chosen and I was loved. When I started to really believe that and listen to it, and that wasn't easy, but when it started to really sink in, I found my voice. Yeah. And what made me find my voice, I was at a workshop, and this woman was talking about all this abuse that she had that she had um, had from her husband. And I looked over at the counselor, and I, I I was such a quiet person at the time, and the counselor wasn't seeing anything. And I stood up and I started yelling. I said, won't you speak up for her? Won't you tell her that that's not right, that she shouldn't have to live like that? And the Holy Spirit just downloaded Tina at that you, oh. you look in that, and and you are just as worthy as her. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Sue. I felt like Paul on the road to Damascus, like the yeah. the the shell that just come off my eyes. Oh, and amen. and and God just said, "You are my child." I'm gonna give you a voice, and bless his heart, I haven't stopped shouting to (laughs) women that you're not alone. I mean, I'm not kidding. The day I stood up, yeah, like he just started downloading. I love you. Tell them. I see you. Tell them you're not alone. Tell them. Yes. So that's that's the journey I've walked through, and in doing so, that just—I mean—I can be in the grocery store, and someone will just share their story. It's like, really, Lord? Yeah. And it. He's just, he's so good. He's so good. He just, and he's so good. Yeah. If we hold on to all these wounds, if I held on to the abuse, if I held on to I'm um, not enough, and I said, no, I'm just going to revel in it. I'm just going to sit in it. Well, then it's not useful to God. It's yeah. useful to God when I hold up my hands and I say, Lord, Daddy, can you take this from me? Yes. And can you make it something beautiful? Yes. Because scripture says he promises to turn our morning into dancing, right? Uh, yeah. He makes all things beautiful in his time, including my abuse, including the neglect, including all my pains. If I let him, if I hold him out and say, Lord, this is icky. I don't want this anymore. Yeah. He says, let me take it and I'll make it something beautiful. But, but. Mm -hmm. Are you willing, if someone comes to you, are you willing to love them and let them know you're alone? Let's make this something so beautiful. Because Henry he doesn't have a right to any of this anymore. He never had a right to you. And he's not going to touch this anymore.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. Amen. I mean, right? I mean... It's, it's about being brave, though, and, ta- and having the courage. And so it's about understanding that you are loved and you are worthy. And this is, you know, a greater calling on your life. You know, it's not about you, but it's about providing that, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but those two words, me too, um, can save yeah. lives. And I think there's so many people who are living alone in the shame of this and Mm -hmm. for you to be out there speaking and giving hope is so, it's so beautiful. And, and I I worry, you know, I have a 14 year old son and I do worry about pornography. And um, what's interesting about this, it's kind of struck me and I hadn't thought about this before we talked, but your husband is, I'd assume like 50, right? Or in same, around the same age as us. And, um, yes. and so he didn't have access to the internet and all of that when he was younger. Do you think this started – like, do you know when it started for him?
1: It started between 10 and 12, yes. Yeah. And they so, didn't have magazines. I mean, they have magazines. Playboy. And, okay, so
0: we got magazines. Yeah. Right? So here's the thing. It's our heart. It's our sinful heart. <laughs> right? It's our addictive nature. Like, we tend to go – so it's almost like I, I think as a parent nowadays – we love to blame everything on the internet. And and it does make it more accessible and it makes it more scary, but it's about, it's just people. It's just humanness. It's just our sinful nature and and God can redeem all of that, right? But as we yes. move forward, I, I do worry about the accessibility at all times. Like when my son can have his phone in school and on the school bus and all of that. And I'm thinking, why do they allow him... To have access, you know, and then they say they block certain things, but you know how the kids know how to get around it. And so, I mean, I just think we're embarking on even more of a situation where I think a lot of parents are, we're getting aware of this and then we're sort of panicking, which I don't, you know, that's not from the Lord, that chaos and panic, but yet there's like this level of awareness that needs to be taking place.
1: Does that make sense? Yes. And and I agree with you to a point. So yes, it's definitely our our sinful hearts. But, so, I, I do want to clarify something. So, sexual addiction is not, um, it's not really about the sex at all, at yeah. all. Um, if, if Tim, my husband, if he had known his value and his worth from the beginning. Yeah. So, um, a man, it gets say a teen, a teen, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons a teen gets strong, and this is my husband's story, is that... They don't they don't feel valued. They don't feel and I'm not talking about doting on your kids, but the you just go away. You know, the 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 dad who's way too busy that doesn't connect with his son, the dad who maybe is abusive or so that kid looks for validation. Yeah. They stumble upon something, maybe by school drops that look really cool, or they stumble upon something accidentally.
2: Yeah.
1: And that something releases those endorphins, those still good hormones, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden in a time when they're scared or feeling neglected, this feel good hormone turns on. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that made me feel better. So then they try it again. And because it's a process addiction, it happens internally it becomes something that they can go to very easily. They can take a visual snapshot in their mind and they can go to it when they're alone in the bathroom. Yeah. But it's not that they're just seeking out sex. Their, their, their body starts to crave those endorphins because it's lacking them so much, right? Yeah. So then as they become adults, they get into the adult world and they think, when I get married, this will all go away because it's about the sex, right? But it's not about the sex. So then they get married, and their wife, who is so non-suspecting, she doesn't fulfill it because that's sex. That's intimacy. Yeah. That's not the same as the hunting and the, the feel-good hormones that I got when I was walking in the addiction. So they get triggered. They get stressed, right? Yeah. And then they go back to that because that's what raises those endorphins. Oh my gosh. Thank you
0: for explaining that. And also what you said that just struck me that I've never really heard before or thought of before is that it's internal that they could take a snapshot in their mind that they might be thinking this and we don't know it. So it's different when you were explaining addiction. It's the same as alcohol or drugs when you reach for that and it gives you the high and you feel the escape and all of that. But it's not the same because that is something that we can see externally. When right. they're re- right, like I never
1: thought of that. And because it's a process addiction, for a man to say, "Oh, it's just me and the Lord; more is going to work this out." Yeah. No, not so much. Yes, God is so great, and God can do that. But chances are highly likely you need a band of brothers, you need a group of men, and your wife cannot be your accountability partner; that will kill her. Yeah. So what? What a man with a process addiction, and when this one in particular. Getting a group of men, accountability partners, who are going to ask a tough question like, are you struggling? When was the last time you looked at pornography? Not, how are you doing today, buddy? No, 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 that's not going to cut it. But a specific question, have you acted out, right? So having that group of men that love you anyway, even when you say, yes, I acted out, they're going to call you on it, but they're going to love you anyway and let you know that you are not bad because that's what they need to know. They need to know that they're still a good person and that yes, they can still love the Lord and yes, they can still serve the Lord. Even in their addiction, they just need to take it to God and they need to take it to other men, right? Yes. I love that. And I mean, it's the
0: same as anything. Like you're only as sick as your secrets, right? So once we bring it to the light and we have people around us who love us and can speak to us kindly, like, you know, in love and compassion for us, even if we're, you know, all jacked up, then that's where it comes where the healing comes because I think what's so hard is this is so shameful that people just hide
2: yes
1: and because people don't understand it now now let me just say knowing all that does not make it easy on the wife and knowing like Tim yeah. never had a physical affair but the fact is his lover was everywhere, right? I could walk into Target, bathing suit season, and there was posters everywhere. And I specifically remember one time walking into Target, and I had all my girls with me, and I saw the ad of the what, fifteen year old girl in her bikini up on the wall, yeah. and I, I, I truly fell to the ground in a heap of sobs. Yeah. With my girls all around me, it was so, so. I don't even know what word to say. It's
0: like prevalent. But, it's everywhere. It's like you can't escape the sexualized place we live in, I feel like. You
1: know? It's everywhere. It is. It is. But men, if, you, if your wife, if a man is listening to this, if your wife is saying, I feel like I can't breathe, I don't know how to get out of bed, it's not that you, if you didn't have an affair, it's not that easy. It goes to the core of who she is. It goes to the core of, I am not valued. I am not enough. It goes even so far as how can he love me when we're being intimate? If he's thinking about her, right? Was I just a pawn? She starts to doubt her entire existence in her marriage. So it's not, so those of you who know someone walking through it, they can't just snap out of it and forgive and forget There is no such thing. I don't care what anybody says. There is no such thing. There's forgive, forgive and love and help them walk through. Right. But don't forget because it's in the forgetting, maybe, maybe you remember with less hatred, but it's in the remembering that storage of pain that we find our power. Because if I forgot, if I forgot the pain, if I forgot what he did, what story do I have? What do I have to give to the Lord to help me help other people? Right?
0: Right. Totally. Yeah, I just, this is, you know, it's got me thinking about the connection between all of kind of the mess that we're in with even, um, you know, sex trafficking and just the way that minors are being, you know, put out there as objects. And all of this is just so connected. Not that that's every man's going to do that, but just the the idea of sexualizing women and making this um, just an escape for men. I don't, I don't know. Like my mind is kind of reeling right now with uh, connections, just things that I may have overlooked in my life. Not, you know what I mean? Not knowing, not being aware. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming, but I'm telling you what, Sue, God is on the move with this. Like you said, your church is talking about it. As we get it into the open, I mean, if I were to picture what the enemy's doing right now, he's like, no. You know, he doesn't want it known. But as we get it out in the open, as we stop judging the woman whose husband's struggling, as we stop judging the man and kicking him out of our church, okay, there's one thing oh, I'm just going to continue to walk in this thing. It's another, like, for a pastor to say, I need help. Yeah. To kick him out of the church and say no? That is so not godly. Walk with him through this. Don't get me started
0: on the churches kicking people out. (laughs) I mean, honestly. (laughs) It's like that's where we're supposed to go for healing and for community and
1: for honesty. What what would a church look like? What would a church look like? Our mm. church, not, I mean, and I know Holy oh, was doing uh, this wonderful campaign and everything, but what would a church, your church, look like if your pastor struggles, if he sought out help, he still remained a pastor, he sought out help, and then from the pulpit was able to say, hey, look, I walked in this. here's how you get help. Yes. Think about the open communication yes. among all the parishioners or everybody that goes. Think about a woman who can say, oh, my goodness, my pastor's wife was walking through this. Yes. I have community. And for a man to say, he, this pastor still loved the Lord and he still troubled. And I'm not saying accept it. Please don't accept accept it right. but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater.
0: you know yes and I feel like we're in such a um heated climate of just religious and political and everything so if, if anyone it's almost like one false move and you're out like of anything of any community and it's just so uh, distressing to me because it's like we need to be able to bring things into the light and feel safe and that's the key. Our pastor's great. He always says things like he's the biggest lug nut of all. And he, you know, we're all one step away from blowing it and he's the biggest sinner. And, you know, like he's really, he admits a lot of things and um, different things he's struggled with, but you know, this is such a, um, has such a stigma around it, but I agree. I think that's where we need to be brave and courageous and have people speak honestly about it. And um, yeah, so many people could come to healing through that kind of leadership.
1: I agree. So, a couple of things about and I agree 100% with what you were saying but but let me also say to what you just said um, I do think it's changing though I mean because we've gone into groups like small groups at church and you know you get to share and we throw out sexual addiction and the faces of people drop I mean they're like did you really just say that but you know what within a few minutes the conversations go deep you want to get a deep conversation started you start with that because people yeah. My daughter used to say, Mom, you do not start a conversation with sexual addiction. Right. But, but my feeling is if we get it and not that I talk about it all the time, but if we get it out there and take away the shame. Yes. Because people will seek out healing. A couple of things I do want to say though. So sexual yes. addiction does not mean he's a he's a child predator, right? Totally. So sexual addiction, to say that my husband um struggled with a sex addiction does not mean that he's a pervert. And I know that's a bad word, but it doesn't mean that he looks at every woman lustfully. It means he had an issue and he's working through it. Right? Yes. So I think if we could take, if if your husband is struggling and that does not mean he's dirty, it does not mean he doesn't love the Lord. It does not mean, and this is a big one, it does not mean he doesn't love you. Yeah. It does not mean you're not enough. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. I remember um, I started after I found out about Tim's addiction, and this is very humbling, but it was Christmas time, and I put on a Santa suit and I started dancing on the bed, and he looked at me and laughed, and I mean it was wandering and mm-hmm. he walked out of the room. I oh. was crushed. I fell yeah. on the bed and started sobbing, and I called the counselor that I was talking to at the time. I just loved this man. He just oh my goodness, he was such a godsend. And he said, Tina, do not become Tim's replacement porn. Mm. He, can't, he can't even put you into that light. The reason he laughed, so ladies, hear me. The reason he laughed was not because I looked bad, and of course, that's where I went. The reason he laughed is he had two boxes. He had a porn box, and he had a I love my wife box. Yeah. And that porn box, it did not belong with his wife that he adored. That was dirty. Yeah. So for me to try and step in that porn book, oh, yes. his brain just couldn't put the two together. So he left because it was uncomfortable. So lady, don't become that. Yes. He loves you so much. There's nothing you did, nothing you can do to change it. Pray for him. Require him to get help. And if he comes to you, My biggest advice, if he comes to you and says, I'm struggling with this issue, you've got a little bitty window. It is not that big before he says, oh, I can handle this on my own. And in that little bitty window when he says, I am so sorry, what can I do? You tell him, and if you think this is non-godly, I'm sorry, but this is what saved my marriage. You tell him, go get help. Here's the help I need you to get. Once you've waited too long, that window of opportunity will close. Because I'll say, like we all do, Lord and I, we got this. Yeah. But he needs help, and he can't do it on his own.
0: Oh, thank you for that. No, that's so good. Um, Oh, my gosh. I know that that's going to help so many people. And that's what I was going to ask you is what would you say to a person who's struggling with this, but you just answered that, you know, just um, – what if you, I mean, you know, you said you didn't suspect it at all. Do you think that some women know it and the man isn't, isn't facing it? Like, what would you do in a situation like that?
1: There are many women who know it and their husbands won't face it. Um, for advice, now, I'm probably going to make a lot of, this is my opinion. Yeah. My opinion comes from Matthew. In Matthew, it says, if the believer sins. Now, we're talking believing husbands. Yeah. If the believer sins, go to him. Yeah. If he doesn't repent, bring somebody else. Yeah. So bring a pastor, bring somebody else. Somebody else that sees it as a problem, not a pastor who, said, who may be struggling himself and says, ah, boys will be boys. Nuh-uh, uh-uh. Bring somebody else who understands that it is an addiction. Yes. Yeah. Then the scripture says, if they still don't repent, put them out so that Satan can have their way. So my advice, if I were to do it again, would be, Tim, you need to get help. If, if I knew about it, yes. Tim, you need to get help. Yes. If he said no, bring in somebody else. We together say, Tim, you need to get help. If he still said no, right, wrong, or indifferent, either he would leave or I would take the kids and leave. Because yeah. that, to me, is what the scripture says. And if I'm twisting it, I'm sorry. But yeah. from my experience, that is what I would do. I would put out boundaries. And even if that boundary was just a, You need to go stay in the guest room. And ladies, he needs to go stay in the guest room, not you, not you. You're not the one walking in sin. Honey, you need to go stay with your brother. You need to go stay with your mom. And yes, it's going to be inconvenient, but how much is sobriety worth to you? Yeah. How much? So my husband, the one I was married to, it's not just about sex addiction. When Tim was walking in addiction, they're so full of shame. It's like they've got one hand over their heart, and they've got one hand pushing you away. Not just you, but your daughters and, and anybody else. They, they, they feel so dirty. They're covering their shame, right? right. How close can you get when they're keeping you so far away? Because if you only knew, you would think that they were so bad, right? That's yeah. what we said in the beginning. So now – My husband sees me. He asks the girls about their day. He laughs. He has friends. He has wonderful men friends. He is happy. He is not hiding anything. He is bold. He stands up for me. Yeah. The man I was before didn't think he was worthy to stand up for me. You look at me wrong. He's, I mean, he's not going to come punch you, but he's going to stand up for me. He yeah. he loves the Lord so much, and he loves me. Just, I mean, he loves me so much, and I see it. My kids see it. He doesn't keep me in arm's reach anymore. Yeah. And so now, I don't know how young um, people are who are listening to this, but when I knew that we were on the other side was we were being intimate and Tim stopped. And he took my face in his hands. He looked me square in the eyes, and he said, "Peter, I love you." Mm. It was at that moment that I knew I was seen and that I was valued. And in our bed, there would never mentally be another woman. It was just me and I. Awesome. That was huge. Huge. So good! Oh my gosh, I love that. So, yeah, go ahead. Back to what you said. So, a non-believing husband. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I would probably do the same thing. I would probably do the same thing because whether or not they're walking with the Lord, there's still certain certain standards you hold for your wife. You know, there's certain standards you need to live by, in yeah. my opinion. And that, is, yeah,
0: yeah, and just pray yeah. for them that the Lord would intervene and, and come in and, right? I mean, even if they don't yes. know the Lord now, that doesn't mean they're not going to know the Lord tomorrow, right? We just Absolutely. keep praying. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yeah.
2: I could go there's, on.
0: There's, yeah, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. There's a song by, I don't, because country music is not my favorite, but Randy Travis has a song, When Mama Prays. If you've never heard that song, listen to that song. He says, when mama prays, good things happen. When mama prays, life are changed, mm. but more than five feet tall. Um, but, it, and then it goes on to talk about how when mama prays, the enemy shudders. And the whole song, if you've never listened to it, listen to it, it's Randy Travis with Mama Price. That is our call as wives and as mothers, is to take it before the Lord. And in this song, um, Randy was talking about how he comes home and he's been drinking with his buddies and he saw his mama on his knees praying for him and he knew at that moment it was over for him. That's the power of prayer. That is the power of our God. He's listening and he's, he's working. He is so working. He was working in my marriage from the beginning. And one last thing, and I know you're planning to close it up, but um, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, Lord, I've been married 18 years, why did you wait so long? If you're there, if you're feeling like God just lets you sit in this a long time, let me tell you what, when I was pregnant, I wouldn't have been ready to deal with it. When I was 22 years old, I wouldn't have been ready to deal with it. God reveals things. In his time, when you are ready. So if you're mad at God because he waited 18 years to tell you, I'm telling you what, it, God is a God of time, and he, he, your healing will go so quick and be magnified. Yeah. So if you're angry at God because he waited, he takes the blinders off when they need to come off, right?
0: That's right. And he prepares us in the meantime for what's coming, I believe. Yeah. I've seen that in my own life. You know, um Yes, yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Um, I would love I don't wanna stop talking because there's so much more to say, but we kinda have to wrap it up. But would you be willing to pray for people that might be finding themselves in this situation? Um, just Absolutely. lifting them up to the Lord. That would be awesome. Thanks, Tina.
1: Father God. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you that you see us, that you know us, that you love us. Lord, we thank you that you are God, that when we bring you our anger and our pain and say, Lord, why, why did you let this happen to me? That you don't just cast us out, that you understand that. And you say, my precious child, I am here, tell me what's going on. And that you know it already, Lord, but you never tire of hearing from us because you love us that much. Father God, I pray that every woman listening to this call, if she suspects, if she knows, if she's smack dab in the middle of her pain, Lord, that you meet her there, that you give her hope and you let her know she's not alone. She's not alone physically. There's women all over walking through this. She's not alone spiritually. You are right there. Let her know she is loved by you and, Lord, by her husband. Father God, if there's a man listening to this call who says, I didn't know. I didn't know there were others. I didn't know it hurt her so bad. Let him know in the pit of his heart, Lord, that this is hurting her. Let him be so convicted that he comes to you and he says, Lord, I need help. Let him be so convicted, Lord, that he seeks out the help he needs, and then he stops blaming her, that he stops making her feel crazy, that he stops putting it on her. Lord, help help him to take full ownership. And, Lord... Let the weight be lifted off of these women. Lord, let them know that you so see them. Father God, for children, for our sons, who may be seeking, who may be wondering, Lord, stand between them and whatever it is they may be looking at, whatever it is that is tempting them, stand between it and say, no, you are better than that. Let them see their value and their worth, Lord. Father God, if they do not have a man in their life that's telling them of their body and work, start bringing them around, Lord. Let men stand up and be accounted for. Let them stand up and and stand in the way of this pornography and sex trafficking and anything else that stems from this, Lord. Let men stand up and know that you have called them, and those you call, you equip. Let them turn away from it, Lord, and seek your face. And Father God, the young girls... Lord, the young girls who may be dating young men who are who are walking in this, or maybe Lord, the girls whose dad kept them at arm's distance. She may just want to be loved, Lord. Stand in front of them. Let them know that they are so valued and so you love them. Even if they never receive that from their dad, Lord, let them not see you as their as their earthly father, Lord. Let them see you as one who protects, who loves, who pursues. Yeah. Father God, we just ask for revival. Mm. Take away the dirtiness of this. Give us all a bold voice. Women who need help, bring help around. Men who need help, Lord, show them where to go. Father God, you are a great and awesome God. We pray for all our listeners, even those who maybe don't have an issue, or those who don't have an issue or don't know anybody. Let them just be bold enough to not judge when it comes to them, because it will in some way or another. Let them know how to offer help and doing and take away the shame. Mm -hmm. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Mm Jesus, Lord. No condemnation. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for Sue. I thank you for her ministry. I thank you for this podcast that is reaching so many. Lord, enlarge this territory. Enlarge it, Lord. Lord, let it be something that brings people to you. You are a great and awesome God. And we praise you because you are worthy of our praise, Lord. Mm -hmm. And we thank you so much. Help us to know you as our daddy. In your precious name we pray. Yeah. Amen.
0: Amen, Tina. Yay. Oh, my gosh. Um, Listeners, you can tell she's a great prayer. And she's one of my just favorite prayers through holy yoga. She's just Mm -hmm. been such a blessing to me. So, Tina, Thank you for your story and just for the hope that you're offering. And um, I just really appreciate you and I love you.
1: Thank you. I love you so You have a great, great day.